Wait for it. Wait for it. And we're live. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king. The sky is the limit and space is the place. We are the podcast. It puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we want you to know that Madam Stabby is not here today. I have it on good authority. It is not because we uh, stabbed her back. Uh, just seasonal allergies. Uh, at least that's Nick's um, alibi, and I am not questioning too deeply. Well, nature stabbed her in the sinuses with pollen. So I guess, yeah, technically she got stabbed. But, but not by you, if anyone's listening, Mr. FBI, CIA, man. NSA man. Stabbed in the sinuses. Stabbed Nick. in the sinuses. By Robert Cruzy. Stabbed in the sinuses. All right, speaking of Robert Cruzy, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? I'm, I'm writing that down now. <laughs> Sorry, I started talking before people know who I was. My 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 name is Rob Cruzy or Robert Cruzy. I, I, I'm terrible at branding, so I keep changing. I go I switch between Rob and Robert. But on my books, I'm Robert Cruzy, and it's spelled K R O E S E. So you would never guess it's Cruzy, but you know I'm working with that handicap. Uh, uh, so yeah, and I'm a sci-fi fantasy writer and. To have a Kickstarter going on right now, and I guess we're going to talk about that a little bit. So the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we first found them, and uh, normally I would make a joke about Air Google, Air Google, and time travel, and something funny, but I just didn't have the funny vibe going on tonight. So I will tell you, we both write reviews for the uh, Upstream reviews, and I have seen his uh, images for his covers floating around, and they are just too cool. Uh, it is a shame that his original cover. Uh, went bye-bye when Amazon closed their marketing or publishing company uh, because that was some some 50s vibe, sexy goodness. But his new covers are cool too, so we're good. We're good. Um, and when he said he was doing a Kickstarter, I thought that's the time and excuse to get him on the show. So here we are. But uh, before we let you get started, sir, you, you have to answer the religion questions. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I think so. All right. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Um, you know, I, at this point I have to go with Firefly, I guess. I would have said, I would have said Star Wars, but Star Wars, you know, if we ignore the last like 20 years, I would say Star Wars, otherwise Firefly. <laughs> That's fair. They were polluted. Some of that started with, uh, and I yeah. think I've said this before, but some of that started with Lucas because he never led a project he couldn't say yes to. So he ended up, and of course, everybody writing in the Star Wars world, they wanted to yeah, make characters. The prequels were, were. Oh, I'm not even talking about the prequels. I was talking specifically. It's weird like, to me growing up now to have people. Oh, the, yeah. The uh, the extended lore. We got a little bit of a lag, people, but we're going to work with it. The extended lore, the problem with that, when Disney bought it, they had to ditch so much of it because George said yes to everything. So he would have the, the main characters, Han, Luke, Leah, in all the different places that they couldn't all be at the same time because it's established canon to get from A to B is however long of time traveling and somehow they did it in half that time because reasons and so it was just the lore was and not Arabian. that was a i remember the the old message boards back when it was aol dial-up complaining about the the way that this book couldn't be true if this book was true and like fans were going at it even before disney and the house of the mouse was involved so yeah <laughs> yeah well none, none of that stuff really good. holds up to to too much scrutiny so no <laughs> it's just it's just, I mean, even if you go back to Empire Strikes Back, where like Luke's training ends up taking about like three days. If you, if you, <laughs> I mean, the whole training process, there's no, it's just done with editing, basically. It's like, what, wait a minute, this happened like in, in an hour over here. And then you go back to Dagobah and it's like, it seems like weeks yeah, have passed. But I, no, it's after it's, that. Yeah, I went back and watched Empire and so, well, the original trilogy after watching the sequel trilogy. And I was like, all right, maybe I was a little too harsh on Ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's, a little. Uh, it looks kind of a Mary well, Sue, also. You can't, you can't. Um, yeah, you can't. Uh, it's just, it's just supposed to be supposed to be. I mean, you know, you, you can get away with a lot by saying, "Well, it's just for kids" or whatever. But I mean, those those movies really were. I mean, they they were never meant to be. Um, you know, uh, this kind of 
like it's it's not Lord of the Rings is, is what I'm saying. Right. It's, it doesn't ha never had that level of thought into it and try to people trying to make it into that now is I mean you're you're really trying well, to trying to stretch the material. Lucas Slater admitted he's like, yeah, I wrote the first one. I was, I mean, I had plans for the stuff, but you know, before that he was claiming, oh, I had all nine planned out, ready to go, and I'm like, you sir are a Modesto liar. <laughs> no, because I'm from Modesto. I, you know, um, I used to live in Ripon, which is about oh, yeah. 20 minutes north of Modesto. Just, yeah. well, not even, that. it's like 10 minutes north of Modesto. We used to go to Modesto. Yeah, my, my, uh, yeah. I, I, little, little, yeah, just, uh, we used to go to Modesto all the time, go to the, go to the mall there and stuff. All the restaurants are in Modesto, oh, yeah. so we would go down there. But And then oh, we would yeah. flee back to Ripon. Vintage Fair, Vintage Fair so, Mall. Yep, Vintage Fair Mall. Oh. <laughs> you guys need a moment? Nice I haven't been there for a few years now, but I'm back in Michigan oh, now. Uh, yeah, Michigan's better than Modesto. You guys need uh, a moment? Here first. Yeah, we're having a yeah. Modesto moment here. Uh, Central, Central Valley. Valley. Yeah, okay. Central okay. Valley. I'll, I'll give you some space, you know. We'll just be over here thinking Ma about Wi-Fi. Modesto's a little rough, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> I have to tell people, they're like, well, where are you from originally? I'm like, well, I spent a lot of years growing okay. up in Modesto. Don't look for me on a milk carton. I, I assure you I'm... I'm well and I'm safe because a lot of people mm. go missing there. It's kind of like uh, like that town from the Lost Boys, but not coastal or cool. Or I, I have a friend who was like Modesto and Stockton are in this are Modesto and Stockton are in this race for to be like the worst city in the United States. It's always there's always you, you never know which one. Like they do this ranking every year, Money Magazine or somebody, and it's like always Modesto yeah. or Stockton, and we never know which one it's going to be. But it's always one of the two. Yeah. And I lived right in between. <laughs> right. So, I think it was settled by a coin flip every year between. You know, yeah, between I think two. so. They don't put that much thought into it. It's just kind of like, well, we want we know one of these shitholes is the is the worst. <laughs> I have a yeah, friend that was from Plano. He always said he was the, they were the worst because they were the meth capital of the world. That's Modesto now. There's meth, a lot of meth yes, in the Central Valley. Called. Yeah, Modesto. Yeah. Breaking yeah. Bad, hey? Bad. Yeah. You'd a lot of Winnebago's. I never put the yep. two and two together until the show <laughs> came out. <laughs> All right. Let's get back on track, and we're going to finish out this uh, religion question. Are you ready for the next one, sir? Ah, uh, yeah. Game of Thrones, <laughs> The Wheel of Time. Or Chronicles Sorry, of Narnia. Yes. He sounds so excited. <laughs> yes. Wheel of Time. I gotta, Game I gotta of go Thrones. with Narnia. Um, okay. Because I, I mean, are we talking TV? Uh, anyway, I, I'm gonna go with Narnia. C.S. Lewis is, is is Narnia is is a weird series. If you go back and read it as an adult, it's like it's like it's like being on an, it's like an acid trip. But it's C.S. Lewis is good stuff. Yeah, it's like I want what he's having. That's a lot Without of the stuff you, yeah. you read as kids not, that you love. When you go back and visit it as an adult, you just you have questions. Yeah, you you really do. You're like, man, what was this guy doing? Like, it's a very weird. Like, who comes up? It's with like, this? yeah, and then Santa Claus shows up and gives them weapons. It's like, what? Wait, yeah. <laughs> what happened? You know, Nick and I wrote Christmas. Here you go. Claus. You get a bow and arrow. You get a sword Father that's Christmas. enchanted. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Here's some deadly weapons. You get kids. a dagger. You go kill some monsters. Assassin. We just yeah. got here. Go take a. Well, how is I've why is this our job? 20 minutes, and this old man's giving me weapons. I need an adult. So we we try to be civilized here <laughs> at the. A bit uh, of a, I'm getting a bit of a, a stutter and lag here, so. It's okay. We'll we'll, we'll power on. So uh, we try to be civilized here at the Blasters and Blades okay. podcast. Uh, we, we left behind our knuckle-dragging troglodyte ways. So, sir, we do have a formal question for you. Are you ready for this? Coffee or tea, and how do you take it? I, I'm not sure I, I, I heard the question. Do you drink coffee or tea, and how do you take it? What was the question? Do you drink coffee or tea, and coffee. how do you take it? And I put a lot of crap in it. I put a lot of... Sorry, I, I we got a lag, and then also sometimes you're cutting out a little bit, so it's making it difficult. But uh, I drink coffee, and I put a lot of stuff in. I put I put uh, half and half and sugar and stuff in it, so I'm kind of a pansy, I guess. But I like it. it keeps me awake. Oh, man, you like me flavor? Going. There's nothing wrong with that. Flavor, yeah. People, 
people okay. talk down about my kind, but what is your who's kind? Say no to sugar. The, the, the kind who like sugar and, and, and milk and cream and stuff in their coffee. Oh, you mean I don't know. Human. It just feel, feels like it's a kind of a kind of masochism to, to drink just black coffee. It's like you're trying to prove something. It's like, no, just take put add stuff that tastes good to it. I never brought that up in therapy. That's a good topic for my next session. Why do you drink <laughs> coffee black, Nick? Because I'm trying to prove how much I hate myself and my body. <laughs> See, and I could I could have told I will you go that. The extra mile. I know. <laughs> I don't know. We've been getting these flavor, uh, flavored coffees from uh, coffee brand coffee. Um, I'm really like, what is it? The pecan, pecan roll, buttered pecan roll. And it smells amazing. It smells like Christmas and your birthday and the 4th of July when you're brewing it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like all the happy thoughts. Like if I was in Peter Pan's universe, Very nice. that would be my happy thought. That's that would allow me to fly taking a mm -hmm. cup of that coffee. Yeah, I, I'm still digging the s'mores. I'm on like my fourth bag. We haven't got that yet, but that's probably our next order. Is the it's delicious. It is like a camping experience in your mouth. I would describe it more vividly, but it's family friendly. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. It is just an experience in your mouth, sir. Um, and a good one. And a good one. Wow, that's going to get clipped. I'm going to hear that again. Um, <laughs> so let's get back on track. So, Robert... Uh, you write the things, you read the things. How did you discover your love of the uh, speculative fiction sort of umbrella? Well, I was writing this story in second grade uh, as an assignment. Um, one of the things we had to do, you know, as, as in, in school, because we, we had to write a little story. And I wrote the story about Captain Bill and his spaceship and how they go to Jupiter and all this stuff. And I got really involved in this, this story i think everybody else's story was like a, a page or two um you know and it's like the, the the paper that has like five lines on a page so it was like bill went yeah. to Ju captain bill went to jupiter and and fought a monster at the end and my story just kept going and going and going and i kept going back to get more paper and then i, I went out to my teacher and i was like well should i should i start working on my math now and she's like and she, and she was looking about the story she's like no 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 you just keep writing <laughs> and i was like this is amazing i could just keep just writing keep and not do any of my other work and uh it turned out you can't you can't do that uh forever but uh i i, I thought for you know this is this is great this is what i want to do and i the next 20 years or so 20 30 years of my life was like trying to recapture that and like i need to get back to that that point where they tell me no just keep writing don't do any of your other this other boring stuff keep writing and i finally got to that point where people are uh, a few years ago where i'm where I'm, i've got enough you know fans where people are like yeah no no you don't have to don't do, don't have a regular job once in a while i have to do some real work but for the most part i i just do this as a, as as my job which is which is pretty amazing because it's not something that a lot of people are are able to do and that's very true um creative work is work and it's hard work but it doesn't always pay the bills, so you gotta. Every once in a while, you gotta, gotta go down to the the peasant level and put in a full eight or a full forty or whatever to make the pay the bills. But it's like I tell people, it's like, yep. yeah, this is my job, but the comic books is that's my career. So, yeah, I can I can relate. Yep. Do you uh, draw any inspirations from? Because we talked earlier about. Uh, are you originally from the Central Valley, or you just spent a lot of time there? Uh, I I lived there. I grew up in Michigan, and then I moved to the Central Valley uh, in, I'm sorry. in like 1995. Yeah, well, it was for me. It was an improvement because um, I, I hated the I hate the I still hate the winters here. In fact, I I flee the winters uh, here almost every year. I try to go. I go to Mexico or someplace where it's warm because one nice thing about being a writer is that you can do it anywhere. And so I, I get an yeah. Airbnb in some Latin American country <laughs> and get away from the, the winters here. Uh, so yeah, so I grew up here and then I lived in the central Valley for like 18 years. And then I came back here about 10 years ago. And I, I really, I like, I do like Michigan and I, I love the summers and actually the spring and the fall are pretty nice. The winter, well, the, the thing, the winter, the problem is, is it goes on for six months, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's after about two months, you're like, okay, I'm ready for it to be over now. And you still have like, 
it's like you know the, it's like now it's like mid-december and i'm ready i'm done with winter you know and it's like we haven't even had christmas yet so oh, i need yeah so it gets so so then i i, I flee to, to mexico or colombia or costa rica or something well, that's cool so like do you uh incorporate like when you were growing up like between michigan and california and your adventures in in South America and warmer climates. Do you, do you incorporate that into your stories? Do you set those up as environments as like separate planets or? For, for tax purposes, I, I, do, I, I draw a lot of, uh, of inspiration for my, for, for my places I travel to. Uh, I, so I go, I go to like last year I went to Colombia and wouldn't you know it? One of my characters goes to Colombia uh, and then my, my uh, vacation becomes a tax write off. Um, because I had to do research. Maybe they're doing research. Yeah. So, and I've done this all over the world. Um, and so far the IRS seems to be okay with it. I, you know, I've gone to, to Hungary and I did a, I did a series about, uh, Vikings, this, uh, the Iron Dragon series, um, a few years ago. And I went to, um, well, all over, all over Europe, uh, basically, um, and, and wrote it off. So, so that was cool. I don't, most of my, most of my writing is pretty much, um, it's very fantastical, fa- fanciful, and it doesn't draw a whole lot of real world inspiration. It's, um, but um, yeah, I throw, I sprinkle things in and then stuff like, some, like Grand Rapids has shown up in, in my, my books and Modesto, I think has, has made it in there a few times and other places that I've been to. And, and uh, yeah, so, but, and yeah, and especially for, for financial reasons, it's important that I, that I <laughs> mentioned the places that i'm that i'm at because then i like i don't know how they like if the irs ever comes to you and you're like oh yeah well uh on page 67 right here i mentioned that this guy was from this town in in uh you know france or in northern france and i had to go there you know to to and then like how do they i don't know i don't know what kind of guidelines they use to determine whether i i i got i put enough in the book you know to make it um to, va- to make it a valid business trip, but uh, I, yeah. at some, I think I'm going to find out at some point. I'm going to get a knock on the door, but it's more likely it's probably a percentage of some kind. Like, oh, how much of your time over there were you actually working? Eighty uh, percent, right? Yeah, but then and like, how much of it was is what like had to be done there because I can't just write off a trip because I was working during the trip. I, don't, right. I think it has to be. I had to take the trip uh, because, you know, for, to, to to visit someplace for, for work. And so I don't, I don't know what the guidelines are there, but so far I haven't had a problem. Uh, I'm sure their math is similar to the Veterans Affairs math for like rating um, service-connected injuries. It's probably some weird. You think they actually have it. a formula for it? Because I, I think they just make it up as they go. And I think I'm pretty it's like, sure it's just... like five monkeys in a warehouse with a pad of paper a banana and a pen and they just go at it. That's what I was picturing. Whoever whoever survives uh, and their equation is somewhat readable. I guess they just go with that. You assume all of those monkeys are sober. That was bold. Yeah. I I never assume anybody's sober at any time. Um, (laughs) Life's hard, man. Like if you can get away with like being inebriated most of the time, I say go for it. I your best life. Rob, I saw your uh, your Viking series. I didn't realize that was you. I, I oh, that yeah. was on my list. I meant to circle back and interview the author on. <laughs> yeah, see, this is my problem. One of my problems as a writer is that I I write so many different things that people are like, "Oh, you're that guy too," um, and so then it, and you know like like I, I build up a fan base. It's like there's people like those those Iron Dragon books were really successful. I, they did really well, and then for some reason I go, "I want to write." I want to do something completely different. And so then I switch gears and I lose everybody. Um, so I'd, I'd be a lot more su- successful if I just like wrote bike space Vikings all the time uh, or just any one thing all the time, but I don't, I keep switching up. So. Or you just kept your name consistent. So they knew who they were reading <laughs> like Rob, Robert, is this the same person? Right. Well, all my books say Robert. I just in, like in my, personal life people tend to call me Rob. like i grew up as rob i i kind of ah. prefer robert but i you know so then i end up being like rob robert but all my book my books always say robert and robert robert cruzy and but it's just like if you look look me up on amazon 
I'm in, I mean, it's mostly sci-fi fantasy, but it's like every different kind of, there's like sci-fi humor, like historical, you know, alternate history stuff. I wrote a book called Schrodinger's Gat, which was a quantum physics noir thriller. And I wrote a, like a, a straight like fantasy series. And it was just because I'm like, I want to challenge, you know, I like doing different things. And so I keep mixing it up and then I, I confuse people and, and lose my audience or a lot of my audience. But the good thing is I've got core fans who stick around who are like, what is this lunatic going to do next? And so. One of these days, someone's, one of these days, someone's going to write the Schrodinger's cat series where it's like, I'm sick of being effed around. I'm going full hitman, And the cat is just going to be the main character, like attacking everyone. The cat gets revenge, yeah. Schrodinger's revenge. We there we go. It wrote itself. Oh. Schrodinger's list. No, wait. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sensing no, too close. Involved. Too close. No, that's pretty awesome that you're able to um, write and be successful in sci-fi and fantasy and sci-fi sci-fi fantasy. That's I think that's a, a credit to your your range as a writer. So have you transitioned beyond just the, the written word? I'm assuming you have audiobooks, but like, have you done graphic novels, uh, any other form of publishing mediums for your work? Um, no. Uh, at this point, no, I, I'm, st I'm sticking with novels um, for the, the, the main thing that I, that I do. I haven't, I don't even really write. I've written a few short stories, but I prefer novels. I really like the novel format and I, I could see doing like a graphic novel sometime. Um, but at this point, I don't know. I, I, I'm probably going to stick with novels for, for a while because I feel like there's enough, um, there's enough possibilities in that, in that medium. And it's just, it's just the kind of the way that I think I'm very much, uh, verbally oriented. And so I, I, I tend to, to do that. Although I also do some graphic stuff, I, I, but uh, not, not as my, as my primary gig. Okay. That is cool. So speaking of your primary gig, uh, you got a Kickstarter going. So what can you tell us about it? So the Kickstarter is for this, my Rex Nihilo series, which is um, the books. The, the first book is called Starship Grifters, which is, uh, of course, a nod uh, to Starship Troopers. And all the books in this series are kind of, um, they, they're, they're, they're humorous books. I describe them as sort of a cross between, um, if, you, if you know um, the Stainless Steel Rat books, uh, Harry Harrison's kind of classic sci-fi books from, I don't know, 60s through... 80s, I guess. Um, just a lot of fun. And, and sort of a combination of that and um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, sort of a wacky sort of humor. Um, and so Starship Grifters, and then I did, I, that was published by Amazon's publishing imprint, 47 North. Um, and then I did three sequels to that over the, over several years ago. And every once in a while, people, people keep coming back to me saying, when are you going to um, you know, do another one of these books because they love the characters so much because I have this con man character, Rex, who is just a complete jackass, basically. And he's always getting into these insane situations um, where he's he's uh, he, he wins a planet in a poker game or, or you know, something similarly insane. And he ends up usually saving either the world or the galaxy almost by accident every time in every, in every series. And he's got this kind of long-suffering robot sidekick who um is sort of the brains behind the operation but but every time she she has a uh, the robot if, if she has an original thought she shuts down for 30 seconds so she'll be she'll be tr trying to get him out of a jam and then she will shut down and then come back online and she's the narrator and so then the narrator will find that things have gotten dramatically worse uh in the period where she was unconscious um, so oh, wow. it, they're, they're a lot of fun to write because there's a lot of cra crazy stuff that happens. And then people keep asking me, you know, when are you going to do more of these books? And I, I kind of wanted to do some serious, more serious sci-fi stuff. Cause I started off doing humor when I was writing, started off doing, uh, humorous stuff. And I thought, and I did the iron dragon books and a few other serious things that I thought, um, were more of a, a little bit more of a reach for me. 
Um, but then I, but people kept bugging me, <laughs> asking me to do more of these. And I thought, you know, that would be kind of a fun break. Now I've done enough, enough of this other stuff. So I decided to do three more of these books and I'm doing, um, so I'm going to basically write these three books, um, over the next year and I'm doing a Kickstarter to, to fund them. And the money basically goes to me, uh, because, uh, I need to live. So uh, this is, I've raised, I think we're at like 11, a little over 11,000 uh, now. And of course I make some money selling the books on Amazon too, but this is yeah, a big chunk of my, uh, of my income. Uh, so it's, you know, it, although it's, it may seem like a lot of money, like I'm aiming for 50, the, the target is $15,000. Um, you know, it's not really that much if considering that I have to like, this is a large amount of what I, what I need to live on. So, so um yeah, I'm going to be writing th three more of these books over the next uh, over the next year, and I, I'm actually working on the covers um, for some of them right now. And I have um, you can see there the the existing ones are Starship, Gr Starship Grifters, I Robot, uh, Out of the Soylent Planet, The Wrath of Khans, um, and then uh, we, the ones that I'm going to be working on are a Scammer Darkly. That's a fa favorite title of mine because it's a reference to. Well, if you don't know, then I'm not going to tell you. Uh, the, and the, the Handmade Tale and a, a Grift Too Far. Although somebody on Twitter suggested um, High Plains Grifter. And now I kind of think Ooh. I have to do High Plains Grifter because that's, I was like, damn, that's a good title. <laughs> it's better than anything. That I, High except Plains for, Grifter. High, High Plains Grifter. Yeah, I thought I thought that's, that was, I was kind of mad at myself that I didn't think of that. Uh, I like a scammer darkly a lot too, but, uh, and I, yeah. there's a lot I can do with high plains drifter. Um, and yeah, so, um, I'm looking forward to, to, uh, getting in and, and, and writing these things over the next few years and God willing, if these, if the, uh, the funding comes through in the Kickstarter, I'll be able to do that. So yeah, the cover on the left there is the, the original cover, which Amazon back when they were first getting into the publishing industry, um, they, they were throwing a lot of money at, um, cover design and, and, and authors like me too. Um, and so they did this amazing cover, um, for me. And I tried to do when I, when I did the sequels, I tried to sort of match that look, but it's, it's, that's a really good cover, but it's a really difficult cover to try to, uh, match. Um, and it's, the the guy the the original artist was like he's like a top notch cover artist and so when you start with something like that uh it's really hard to to try to keep up that level of of quality um because they paid him a lot of money i think um because he's a real serious designer and so then the the one on the right is the new version which is is not quite as fancy but i think it's um it's actually a little close the characters are uh, it's a little closer to what i imagine the characters being so uh, it looks really similar. I think if you added some like distress, like overlays on it, like on the, uh, the one to the left, you know, make it, there look actually like it's is, been... there actually is some on there. There's a little bit on the, on the right yeah, there, but it's yeah. not as pronounced. So I did, I did start of, cause I love that, that he, he did that. He made it look like a, like a weathered paperback. Um, that's such yeah. a cool, cool effect. Um, and so I did a little of that, um, a little of that too, but, uh, yeah, so it's a little easier to um, to match that that style of of cover, and so I'm going to be oh, yeah. cranking out some more of those books over the next over the next year or so. I think both covers are great. Um, I don't I don't think you made any wrong choices there, and it's continuous with the uh, the rest of the other books. Yeah, I, I like that I'm he's in a pirate getup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the each of the books kind of he's he's right. <laughs> He's got the, yeah, he's got the little parrot squawky on his on his uh, on his sh uh, shoulder there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Each of these books, he gets into some kind of a situation, you know, and it's kind of kind of unique to that book, and then it, he has to kind of uh, work through it with his uh, it, it, all of his insane plans and uh, the help of his his robot Sasha. So they're they're actually a lot of fun to write. Um, it's I have to get myself in the the frame of mind to write them, so I have to watch a lot of like. I don't know, Marx Brothers movies and, and read, uh, you know, Douglas Adams and stuff to get into this sort of like crazy zany um, sort of mindset where anything can happen. And like, 
Rex is always thinking about like the next payday and the next thing that he can, the next scam he can pull. And it like is always trying to like outdo himself. And so I'm always trying to escalate things. And, and, and of course, each, every time he does anything, it, it seems to work. Uh, and then it backfires on him and makes things worse. Um, and uh, so it's, oh, there's, it's, um, it's a definitely a different kind of writing than something like Iron Dragon, which is, which is very kind of a slow, right. slow burn and kind of a, a you know building to to a climax. And and everybody, everybody, their actions are more or less rational, <laughs> whereas Rex is is not. He's he's certifiably insane. <laughs> well, I like the the tagline you have here on the books. Uh, the galaxy needed a hero. It got Rex Nilo. I'm like, oh man. Right. Okay, that makes me they, they needed one. Instantly. They needed a hero, and and he's not exactly it, but he's, he's what they got. Yeah, that's what I like. I I like stuff like that where it's telling me a lot about the in the cover about the character without telling me really anything. So it's like, yeah, right. the galaxy needed a hero, and well, it got me, and I did the best I can. You know, I'm like, oh, this guy sounds like he's going to get in some shit. So let's give him a read. Yeah, he and he gets himself into it. So before we dive too deeply into the books themselves, let's start about uh, at the Kickstarter. Obviously, you are funding. These are the books that are already written, correct? These four? Yes. And so you are funding, it looks like, to write the next four. The next three, yes. Three. Okay. Um, is there um, – let me pull those covers up. You have proposed covers. Um, so let me get those up that I grabbed from your Kickstarter. There's uh, one that I, look, yeah, those are not, I, that's, see, that's just a, like the first cover. Um, I think I did, because I hadn't done anything, any of the actual design on those jet covers, TVD. I did send you an image in uh, Discord of the, of uh, a Scammer Darkly, which is the one that I'm uh, working on now. Okay, I, I'll get to that one in just a second. And then you have, in addition I'm, to that. This is... Yeah, there it is. So that's that's going to be the that's the first uh, of the of the new books. So this is the new style of of covers, and I've been uh, working on that the design for that. So um, yeah, it's sort of th this is this is one that has sort of a cyberpunk uh, style to it because of it's the, the Philip Dick uh, connection. So Philip Dick yeah. uh, Blade Runner kind of kind of thing. So I'm uh, and of course I haven't I've done the cover, but I haven't actually written the book. So sometimes I do the, do the cover first and then I work the elements of the cover into the book. Um, yeah. it, I, because these books are just insane. So I just do what, like you can just have whatever you want happen and just have it be completely like, like that's what happened with, um, with I robot, the one where he's a pirate, the uh, cover artist put a, um, put a parrot on the guy's shoulder and I was like, Oh, that's great. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to put that in the book because I hadn't written the book yet. I just told him it was going to be, I have something to do with a, with pirates. And he thought I'll right. put this, uh, this robot parrot on his shoulder. And I was like, okay, that's great. I got to put it. I put, put a robot parrot in the book. So. Oh, it's fun. And I so, like this cover too, but especially the suit design, because it's like half regular, fabric and then you got some tech, tech technology lace stuff going on in there yeah it's supposed to be like oh. a um cyberpunk ish kind of thing yeah i love the look on all the covers of this guy you know he's just kind of like looking like all right who's coming to get me am i gonna get away with this <laughs> he's right oh. he's he's always trying to get away with something he's in addition to uh to getting the books if you back it it looks like he's got merchandise too oh yeah I've got yeah, I've got miniatures. In fact, I have the the prototypes of the the miniatures here. You know, oh, hold on, let me put you solo screen so we can see the real one. Oh, nice! That's, They're not painted, but it's nice. You're not painted, yeah, yeah. There's that's Rex. You can't really see him really really well, but I have Rex, and I have um, Pepper. This is this this is Pepper Pepper Melange, is her name, and uh, this is the robot Sasha. I can't, I'm really bad at like orienting myself to this, the uh, camera. You can't really see it very well, but they're because they're tiny, um, but they're like standard miniature size. So yeah, they'll be, they'll be, uh, they'll be painted 
unless you want them unpainted. Um, yeah, so I, I, this is a new thing that I haven't, I haven't done, done uh, miniatures before. So I, I'm offering custom miniatures and mugs and book uh, uh, bookmarks. I forgot what they were called. Bookmarks and posters and I forget what else. Um, various other swag um, for, for supporting at the higher levels. And people can get... Um, get uh characters named after them or you or you could name a character your, yourself and at higher levels you can even uh have some input into what the character is like um so you can tell me you know i want this character to be whatever a, a smuggler who who's has three heads or something and uh i will try to work that into the book nice. so I, I try to make it like the kickstarter is sort of a uh a cooperative kind of enterprise because you know people are supporting me and so i want to i want to give them a chance to have some input into the into the books as much as i can and and so, with books like these i have enough flexibility to do that because like i said i can make anything happen because they're so they're so insane yeah so normally we would put a commercial here but we have you listed as a sponsor because you were generous enough to do that so would you mind giving us a 30 second elevator pitch on this universe that you know convince people it's it's theirs they want to buy in wow okay uh 30 second elevator pitch so uh rex nilo is the galaxy's greatest wheeler dealer uh, at least in his own mind. And he's always getting into crazy situations and trying to uh, make money and go for the next big score. And his uh, plans always uh, go wrong one way or another, but usually he ends up saving the galaxy in the process. And along the way, he has a robot assistant named Sasha who uh, is doing her best to tr try to keep him from killing himself and everyone around him. Um, I have, uh, the current book is, uh, the first book is, is Starship Grifters. There's three books after that and three more books that I am going to be writing over the next year. And there's a Kickstarter going on for that right now. And the link is, uh, I don't know, you can go to, go to the Kickstarter and search for Robert Cruzy, K-R-O-E-S-E. And hopefully we have a link here for that. It'll be in the show notes uh, under the sponsor, and um, you should be able to get that easy peasy. People check the show notes. We always link to the things. Um, so that technology. is technology. Technology. Love it. Uh, when it works, sometimes it doesn't. It does hate us, um, but there, you know, we probably shot up a lot of technology. It's like getting even. The overlords have, have awoken, Nick. They do. They randomly right. they awaken for so weird this, stuff. This universe seems like it's all over the place in the wackadoodle territory in a good way. So what is the origin story for this world? Like, how did you come up with this character and everything that the universe he exists in? So probably the, the, the biggest, the biggest, there's basically three main uh, inspirations for this book. Well, maybe four. <laughs> Let's say four, because one of them is Star Wars. Star Wars is kind of the sort of the background. Like I wanted to take the sort of the world of of, of Star Wars, where where you have this sort of uh, you know multi uh, racial um, kind of crazy um, backdrop civilizations, where there's all these different kinds of aliens and technologies and stuff, and that's all kind of the background for it. Um, so, you, so you have that as sort of the sort of the, the background layer, and then you have um, Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as sort of the um, sort of the mindset, and then um, Harry Harrison's Stainless Steel Rat books. Um, who, the Stainless Steel Rat is this guy who is he's a thief and a con man, and uh, the, it, they're a lot of fun. Um, so that's another inspiration for this character. Uh, and the third one, uh, or fourth one, I guess we're on now, it, oddly enough, is uh, there's a, a Marx Brothers movie called Duck Soup, where Groucho Marx is, uh, ends up being the, the president of this, this uh, country, Fredonia, that's at war with this, uh, some other country. Uh, and he ends up playing both sides against each other. And it's just, it's completely insane. Um, and just, it's very, very funny. Um, and that's, that's the big source of, of, of humor 
the Marx Brothers movies um, are just are fantastic for inspiration for this this kind of thing. So you mash those all together, and that's that you get um, the Starship Drifters uh, Rex Nihilo universe. I like he's that. over here thinking you're giving him so many ideas. I can see his arm twitching because he's writing stuff down. So, Nick, how long before you um, steal his ideas? I mean, borrow them liberally no. and make a new graphic novel. <laughs> I, don't, I don't steal people's ideas. Yet. Borrow them liberally. If you can. Anyway. <laughs> I, I do. That's what I, I mean. It's all, these, all this is all stolen. It's just the combination that's that's original. You know, I mean, like everything is right. is stolen from somewhere. So. Well, yeah, like my comic books, they're uh, they're homages to uh, existing characters with my own spin. So it's all it's all part of the formula, you know. I could take a street level cow wearing hero with a cape, and then throw some other things inside the mix, and, and it makes him unique. So I mean, I think a lot of writers do that. At least they should, you know. Why reinvent yeah, the I wheel think, when you got some of these great ideas? Yeah, I think it's you almost have to. I don't know. I mean, if there's a way to come up with something that's truly original, I, I guess it, it can be done, um, but I'm not a good enough writer to do it. Uh, like, I think almost everybody, and even really good writers, still they still steal from from somewhere they're buying, oh, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, but but the, you know, because it's all, um, I mean, even just the idea of a novel itself or the idea of a comic book or or anything else is is taken from somewhere i mean who's to say right. that you know that that a novel needs to be the way it is well it's somebody came up with that at one point and then the other people right. added to it or took some practice wrong written we've all it's all been a, it's been a, a a sort of collective experience uh, experiment and same thing with comic books and movies and everything else so if you if if there's an artist or a writer out there who says they don't steal from someone they're they're ignorant or they're lying <laughs> Yeah, we they're, all they're, you know, look at Star Wars. I mean, it. He Lucas took uh, Kurosawa samurai films and merged them with Buck Rogers. Boom, Star Wars. Yep. You know, so yeah, I mean, it, it's all, a brilliant. It was it, a brilliant idea. Um, and it was, and yeah. and yeah, like like based on yeah yeah Buck Rogers and stuff. So it's it's um th these combinations. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody really expected that combination to work that well, but he saw something that was, you know, like a new, unique way to to combine those. I mean, even when they were making the movie, I think people thought, right. you know, this isn't this is going nowhere. This is this is just ridiculous and going to be terrible. Um, right. But um, yeah, he, you know, that that combination ended up being something special. So uh, that space that's, that's you, Who knew? Yep. <laughs> exactly. Or or yeah. Somebody told me that they're they were uh, somewhat based on the knights. The Jedi are based on the, the Knights Templar, which is that makes sense too. So, yeah, yeah, it does. So he had all these things to pull from, and he decided to put them all together in the right combination, and it became a billion dollar industry. So, like, and now we're, I, we're all Disney's doing the their best to destroy it. So, well, that's what they do. That's kind of what they do. <laughs> I mean, they're adding nothing to it, and and taking taking from it, and just 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 kind of leeching the goodness out of it <laughs> gradually. Yeah, the best over thing years. they've done is uh, I, all their television shows. I just call side quests because that's what it is. They're side quests in a video in a game. You know, it's yeah. like I'm gonna do all these side quests because, like, can a Mandalorian can the Mandalorian carry his own movie? Probably not, but he can carry a TV show for a little bit. You know, gives that little in between stuff so but we don't, don't have to worry about yeah. uh the crappiness yeah. that is the house of the mouse and all of the failing skin suits that were once awesome franchises you know why because we have indie creators making awesome art like robert uh cruzy see i had to look where i wrote the uh phonetically um so let's get back on talking about that <laughs> so um yeah you've got your universes like they're the stories themselves seem to be all over the place some of it looks like 1950s buck rogers kind of sci-fi some of it looks like noir um so what is the underlying other than the main character being rex what is the tie that ties to every book in this universe like what is the buy-through um well it really is the character and the the thing is that there's sort of a meta aspect to all these where he's um 
it's I'm I reference a lot of different um, properties, uh, you know, fairly explicitly, and so that there's a lot of nods to you know things like Star Wars or Dune, or um, I'm trying to remember now what else I've a lot of, you know Philip Dick's stuff and um, you know Heinlein and um, other you know sci-fi movies and stuff and so it's sort of a an homage to uh, to sci-fi itself um, because there's so much of this um, it's it's a a story about sci-fi kind of so it's sort of a science fiction sort of a tour whirlwind tour through you know so the sci-fi uh universe the world of uh, the universe of sci-fi and every that's why it's a little bit uh kind of fractured and um kind of kind of all over the place because there's so many different aspects to sci-fi but it's all it's always this this character and this character and running some kind of a con and trying to trying to get ahead and uh, along the way um he's he's sort of um uh running into all these sort of sci-fi um cliches and props and tropes and um you know either consciously or unconsciously uh dealing with these these things so it, it's the the idea is that they're just supposed to be fun it's all just all just for fun right that's what makes the best stories it's like it's for fun You're yeah there's nothing deep there's nothing yeah. deep about any of these these books. They're supposed to be just just pure enjoyment. I mean, I mean, I just I have fun writing them. I mean, that when I first I the, when I wrote the first one, you know, ten whatever it was, eleven, twelve years ago, I was just making myself laugh. Like I would just write whatever I thought would you know whatever made made me laugh. And I thought, well, if I'm laughing while I'm writing it, then people are are going to probably enjoy this. And it's like, oh, absolutely. You know, it's that's a good way to work too you know i mean it's like it doesn't feel like work if you can uh you know it doesn't always flow that way but a lot of times it's just like you know i can get into the groove and i can just be like oh i'm gonna have him do this that will be hilarious and uh you know i can entertain myself and if i'm laughing then i figure that the readers are laughing oh absolutely you can always tell when the uh the author's having a good time writing it because you can feel it Speaking reading, of when having a good time writing it, are there any funny moments where you were writing in public? Because you mentioned sometimes you travel to write, sitting in a cafe or coffee shop, and you just started like reacting to what you wrote and got like weird um, responses from people around you. You know, I can't think of any any any. Uh, I, usually, when I'm writing, I'm I'm so absorbed in in the writing of it that 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 I don't even notice what's going I, I I rarely I don't even really know what's going around me like normally and then when I'm writing <laughs> I'm so intent on what I'm what I'm oh, writing that like the, the the restaurant or cafe or whatever could be on fire and I, I wouldn't know so I don't have any good, <laughs> I don't have any good stories about that because half the time you know I wouldn't notice if this if the restaurant was on fire in any case even if I was trying to pay attention because I'm like the most absent-minded um least situationally aware person in the world it's kind of a miracle that i survived like like i go to Colombia and you know like eastern europe and i've been all over all over the world um and it's kind of amazing that i'm i'm still alive uh because of this because i i just like i'm oblivious so i live in my i live inside my own head um so it's i'm uh, it's kind of amazing i'm still alive Funny story. He was actually, they attempted to kidnap him a couple times, but he was so oblivious. He didn't follow the man with the gun. So they were like, this guy must be crazy. And they just let him yeah, go. That's, that's pretty much what would happen. Most likely. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand the situation that I was in well enough to be like, to even know that I was being threatened. So um, I'm in danger. <laughs> I did have somebody, uh, I, I had somebody try to steal myself. I had a few attempted thefts in, in Colombia. Actually, somebody stole my sandals off the beach in Colombia. I don't oh, know. Lord. I wear size 13 sandals, too. So I'm like, somebody with really big feet must have come along and just been like, these are the perfect sandals for me. I looked around for like 10 minutes. I couldn't believe. And they left my bag. My bag had my cell phone in it. it was sitting right there. They didn't touch my bag. And they took my sandals. And I couldn't believe it. 
so I just I was like look, looking all over the place, like there's no way they took just my sandals, but they did. And then and then I was I was telling somebody in the I walked I had to walk home barefoot. And I was staying in this, in this Airbnb, and I went uh, I took the elevator up, and there's this guy in the elevator kind of looking at me funny because my feet are bare, and he, and he's like, you know, you don't you're not wearing any any shoes. And at just at the time I was just still learning Spanish, I, and I'm still learning Spanish because it's hard. Uh, and I'm an adult, yeah. and it's difficult to learn a language. <laughs> but I'm so I'm I'm kind of like halfway fluent in Spanish. So I said, uh, "See, sí, alguien uh, roba mi, mi mi sandalias en la playa." And he says, "No, no. You say um, me roban las sandalias." Like I had said it a little bit wrong because what you say in Spanish is they stole my my sandals basically, but yeah. you don't say the they part. You just say it basically means my sandals were stolen, but you say they stole my sandals anyway. And I said, yeah, oh, it's okay. how you conjugate the verb, right? It's verb. It's it's very complicated. It's, it's conjugation, yeah. but and I said, oh, okay. Es, si, es, uh, aún estoy aprendiendo. I said, which means I I'm still learning. And he said. Si, estás aprendiendo que no uh, no debes uh, debe, uh, dejar tus sandalias en la playa, which means, yes, you're learning not to leave your sandals on the beach, <laughs> which <laughs> I thought was pretty funny for some random guy in the elevator. I laughed pretty hard because I was like, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty clever. So <laughs> You're right. And it's kind of funny, but I still yeah. don't have sandals. <laughs> yeah, I had to buy. I had to walk to the mall and buy buy myself new sandals because somebody so stole me, just my sandals. Well, let me ask you oh, this then: You had that experience where you, because you go to these places to write where it's warm, uh, and you're learning the language. Do you write uh, for Rex any situations where he's going somewhere where he has to learn a new language because he's on an alien planet or whatever to incorporate your frustrations? You know, I don't think I ever have. I've dealt with that a lot in other books, like the Iron Dragon books, because, of course, they speak, these people from the future speak basically modern English, and they go back in the past. And they and I did incorporate some of my experiences with speaking, trying to speak a foreign language. Um, some of the, the misunderstandings that they, they have um, and the, the, the sorts of things that you don't think about that are, that are like cultural differences um that 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 work their way into into um situations where where that can be a problem that cause misunderstandings between people um so i have i have dealt i i do it's one of the reasons actually that i try i started to learn spanish because i thought that i liked the idea of trying to understand like people thinking in a different language and like the barrier that proposes, because that happens a lot, obviously, in, in stories and in history. Um, and it's something that I had had no direct experience with. And so that's one of the reasons. The other main reason being that I like to escape Michigan in the winter and I want to go someplace warm where they speak Spanish because it's it's cheap and it's warm. Um, but yeah, I don't think Rex is, has uh, encountered any of that. I should I should do that. I, got, I have to think a little bit more about whether I've ever done that. But that's a that's a good good possibility because that could that could um, lead into some good comedic situations for him. So you've got three books that you are kickstarting this time. Um, do you think that there will potentially be four to make this uh, six eighth in the series, or are you wrapping the series up with these three? Uh, I doubt that I'll wrap it up. Um, these these books are kind of open ended. That I always um, they're sort of episodic. Um, there's a little bit of a of a, a through arc for, where the where there's there's continuity um, between you know the situations, um, but for the most part they're sort of self-contained adventures, and I I want to leave it that way. I don't want to have any kind of like um, overarching story that to to wrap up. I want to always kind of leave it open, um, just because that's the kind of books that they are. Um, and I don't know, I kind of think I might, well, well I'll see how these, these sell, what the reception is. So far, the, the reaction has been really good. Um, a lot of interest. Um, people like the, like the idea of more of these books and they like the covers and I'll see how these, you know, see if I can, if I actually still remember how to write these things. 
Um, and if it goes well, I might write a bunch more when this might be my next, my, my 2025 projects too, to write three more of these. We'll see. Okay. So no definite close, just, you know, constantly leaving potential for more with this character. Do you think there'll be any spinoffs in this universe? Can you hear me? Um, you sort of cut off there, but did you ask if there would be spinoffs? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I sort of did that with the, the, uh, I did a novella, uh, featuring, um, this, this, uh, female bounty hunter, uh, character, Pepper Melange. Um, and I thought about doing other, uh, other books, like centering on other characters in the, in the series. Um, that's a possibility. Um, we'll see. Okay. All right. So um, presumably the, if the Kickstarter gets backed, what are the stretch goals that you have? Do you add another book if you get a certain stretch goals or are you just capping it at? Yeah, I don't actually, actually have any stretch goals at this point. Um, I have a pretty definite plan. I mean, all of my Kickstarters, I think I've done, this is like the 13th that I've done now, which is kind of unreal to me because uh, I've been doing this now for about, 13 years so i've done about one a year um and and almost every one of uh, every one of them has, has funded and almost every one of them has has gone way over and they keep i keep raising a little bit more money each time so apparently i'm doing something right because they they keep uh this one might fall a little short of the last one um but it's it's doing pretty well and so it's almost i think we're a little over eleven thousand uh dollars and i'm aiming to raise 15 um, and it, it'll probably end up around somewhere in the 20, 22, 23,000, uh, range, which I would be very happy with. Um, so, but there aren't any, um, it's pretty much what, what you see is what you get. Uh, the, uh, it's all out there. There's, there's three books and then all the, just the additional swag and stuff, um, involved in that. So I'm, yeah, I'm not planning on any stretch goals at this point, but I'll probably, I might very well, um, do more books in this series though but just outside of the, of the kickstarter or i might do another kickstarter for them we'll see i don't i don't really i i really don't know i i plan about a year and a head ahead as far as writing and writing three of these books in a year is is pretty comfortable for me uh because these are these books are around 200 230 pages which is a little on the shorter side um and i can write i can write one in about three months, two, three months. Uh, and so if I take a few weeks in between to kind of recharge and read other stuff, uh, then that, you know, it's, it gives me, you know, a year gives me, uh, enough time to write three of them, deliver everything on time. Okay. Was there anything about this, um, Kickstarter or this universe that we didn't ask that you think we should know? Hmm. I don't know. You've been pretty thorough. Let, let's see. It's uh, the books. Well, as far as like release dates of the books and stuff, uh, I think I have that on the on the Kickstarter. They basically going to be uh, they're going to be a book coming out about every three or four months, something like that. So, uh, and and I think I gave myself a little bit of padding this time. So it's, um, I think the last, the, the third book is going to come out in December. Um, and um, I, it'll probably actually, I'll probably be a little, well, I, I shouldn't say, but because if I'm going to jinx myself, but I'm, I'm aiming to get it done sooner than that. So, uh, but uh, they'll all be available on Amazon and they'll be available in uh, Kindle format and paperback and actually hardcovers this time um, because that's one of the Kickstarter rewards um, and also an audio book. Um, I've got the same, uh, the same narrator who did um, all the other books. When the, again, the original Starship Grifters was done by a different narrator who is like one of the like top 10 narrators in the world. So she's insanely expensive and Amazon can afford to pay someone like that. And I can't, but I found somebody who is, I think as good, if not better than her. I just had, 
and she has agreed to do um, do the rest of these books. She did the the uh, the second, third, and fourth books in the series, and she's going to be doing the rest of them as well. So that's one that's and she, and she does a fantastic job on the the really great books to listen to um, as audio books. People really uh, really enjoy her her reading of of the characters. She really has a lot of fun. It's one of the reasons, though, even though she's kind of she, I really can't afford her anymore either. But she enjoys doing these books so much because they're so much fun. For her to read all the different characters and just the, the the insane situations and stuff, she loves doing Rex's voice and and uh, Pepper and Sasha, um, and so uh, yeah, the audiobooks uh, will be coming out probably you know each each audiobook will come out a, a month or two after the um, the books get released on Amazon, and they'll only be unfortunately only available on Kindle, no other ebook format. I don't know how many other people how many people use other formats, but I'm Amazon exclusive for eBooks um, right now because uh, because reasons because business stuff just makes more sense yeah. for me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. So we've got that written down. This is being recorded on the third, and it will be uploaded as soon as we are done. So let me ask you this, sir: How long is this Kickstarter going on for people that might not listen to it um, Monday, where they're used to getting our podcast? I believe it. Going through December twentieth. Um, let me double check this. Make sure I got that right. It says sixteen days to go. So, and we're on the the third. Yeah. So, it's yeah. We're partly we're most of the way through the third. So it's uh, yeah on the twentieth of December the thing ends, um, and we're we're about seventy five percent of the way funded. We're a little over eleven thousand now. So should be able to to fun but yeah people have a little bit of time yet a couple weeks to get their pledges in and there's all different levels of support where you can just get the ebooks or you can go all out and pledge the $1500 level and get a whole bunch of extra stuff have a character um that you get to name and have some uh input into and uh then and and you can make me happy and uh allow me to buy food and pay for my mortgage and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, sir, this is 2023. Buying go, food go is to Kickstarter and support the, the Rex Nilo expanded universe. So this is 2023. I think. Yeah. It's, is kind of it's, like, um, that's, and, and that's rich people luxuries. <laughs> okay. And, and, um, Sadly, the prices of, of, of ebooks and books in general haven't really gone up. So I'm not making more money. You know, generally with inflation, people tend to, you know, make you get raises and stuff. But as authors, we don't get raises. And like ebooks are still mostly at like five bucks. So I make the same amount as I did last year. <laughs> so even though inflation is, is taking off, I don't make any more money. So I'm getting screwed. So help me out. Help me and the other other indie authors like me, so that we can we can you know change the culture and get some good stuff out there, and don't have to rely on crappy old IP uh, from big corporations that hate you. Absolutely. So we have covered all of the things. They will be linked to in the show notes. But before we let you go, Robert, can you tell us how they can find you on the Wild Wild Interwebs? Um. Well, I have a website, which is easy to remember, uh, which is badnovelist.com. And it's, it's badnovelist.com because I am so bad about switching genres all the time. So that's kind of a, a inside joke. But uh, And I think that has links to all my other stuff. I, I keep getting my website keeps getting taken down with from malware and crap. So I, I had to keep rebuilding it. So I don't, it's pretty basic at this point. But uh, and then I'm, I'm on Twitter, Rob Cruzy. Uh, and that's that's where I spend most of my time online is uh, on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, you can go to Amazon and, and look me up. All my books are on Amazon. Okay, we will link to all of those in the show notes, dear listener. Speaking of how you can find people on the internet, you can find us 
on our Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bitch shoots, the rumbles, the Twitters, the emails. We link to Madam Stabby Stab's Facebook, or excuse me, Instagram, Twitter, and email. We link to our Facebook group and page where you can follow us and join in all of the shenanigans. Uh, and you can also follow us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters, tacky and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters, tack and tack blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. These episodes aren't free to produce. The overhead does have cost for us, and we appreciate everything you do to defray that. You can also support the show more directly by going to buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast, and I promise I will keep my co-host duly caffeinated. They will drink the great coffee brand coffee until it pours out of their eyeballs. And uh, Madam Stabby Stab needs more, so like hook a brother up, uh, or sister in this case, I guess. Yeah, hook, a, hook a sister up. Yeah, and uh, be sure to use the code for Coffee Brand Coffee. Uh, link is in the show notes. It's Podcast Grunts because we're creative like that because we have a podcast and we were grunts. See how smart we are, Nick? Super intelligent. We are brains. We're together. Yes, we're together. together. All right. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, I am Jerry Anley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Seriously, Robert, despite the lag, this was fun. I appreciate you coming on. We're going to have to have you back again. And whoever it is, I don't know which one of us is having internet problems. We'll blame California because why not? Uh, yeah. We will We will have to have you back, sir. This was fun. It's always Nick's fault. <laughs> yeah, any, anytime. Just, just right. message me like 20 minutes before so I can get out of the bathtub in time. <laughs> yeah, all right. probably forget, like sounds like a good problem to have and we're out wait